Today on Spiritual Awakening Radio, the Gospel of Thomas as a kind of second coming of Christ. Sayings of Jesus found in ancient texts, along with some commentary about their spiritual meaning. On today's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio, a kind of follow-up to an earlier program I did on the spiritual meaning of the Gospel of Thomas. I've been researching the Gospel of Thomas for a few decades now, and it is my pleasure sharing with you what I believe to be some of the more significant, lesser-known, and revolutionary aspects of this discovery. For instance, did you know that the Gospel of Thomas was quoted by St. Augustine, Ephraim the Syrian, Clement of Rome, Clement of Alexandria, Origen of Alexandria, many saints and mystics of Syria, that these sayings of Jesus that we think of as unique to the Gospel of Thomas tradition also turn up in other ancient texts. We'll focus upon the lost spiritual wisdom of Jesus found in the Gospel of Thomas on today's program. An ancient scrap of papyrus was discovered in Oxyrhynchus, Egypt in the 19th century with Greek writing on it and someone translated it. It says, Know what is in front of your face and what is hidden from you will be revealed to you. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed nor anything buried that will not be raised up. That's a saying of Jesus in what we now know to be the Greek Oxyrhynchus Gospel of Thomas. These fragments of the Greek Gospel of Thomas were unburied, resurrected if you will, and published in the year 1897 in a book called The Sayings of Our Lord, translated by Bernard Grenfell and Arthur Hunt. There has been a kind of second coming of Christ not in a physical sense, of course, but rather, what I mean is, there has been a return of the teachings of Jesus in the form of a collection of sayings, sayings of Christ, some of which were first discovered in Oxyrhynchus, Egypt, during the 19th century, and first published way back there in the year 1897, in a book called The Sayings of Our Lord, Today I will share with you some of these sayings, and you may find, as I do, that as you discover this saying's format, that this gives birth to a new overall appreciation for the sayings of Jesus, embedded in various places, including in the more well-known Gospels of the New Testament. You'll see the sayings of Jesus standing out in an entirely new way after you encounter the Gospel of Thomas. As I wrote in my article summarizing the spiritual message of the Gospel of Thomas, I have always been a fan of this contemplative wisdom gospel with its format of proverbs and parables. It contains absolutely no narrative whatsoever. It's comprised solely of unvarnished sayings of Jesus, one after the other. And that's it. There is no spin, no story, no Roman centurions, 
scribes, or Pharisees to block our view. Rather than being presented through the lens of others, rather than being presented through the lens of other people, the reader encounters a more direct, unfiltered, historic Jesus. Of this discovery in Oxyrhynchus, Grenfell and Hunt wrote, On the edge of the Libyan desert, 120 miles south of Cairo, a series of low mounds covered with Roman and early Arab pottery marks the spot where stood the capital of the Oxyrhynchite Nome. The wide area of this site and the scale of the buildings and city walls where traceable testify to its past size and importance. A flourishing city in Roman times and one of the chief centers of early Christianity in Egypt. Oxyrhynchus offers an unusually attractive field for explorers who, like ourselves, make the recovery of Greek papyri with all the manifold treasures they may bring, their principal aim. The result of our excavations there during the last winter, an account of which will be published in the next archaeological report of the Egypt Exploration Fund, amply justified our anticipations. The ancient cemetery, to which for various reasons the first three weeks' work was devoted, proved on the whole unproductive, but the rubbish heaps of the town were found quantities. In the rubbish heaps of the town were found large quantities of papyri, chiefly Greek, ranging in date from the 1st to the 8th century and embracing every variety of subject. For the present we are concerned with a single fragment, the remarkable character of which seemed to demand its prompt publication. The document in question is a leaf from a papyrus book containing a collection of the sayings of our Lord, of which some are familiar, others are wholly new, says Bernard Grenfell and Arthur Hunt in the introduction of their 1897 book, The Sayings of Our Lord. What was a collection of the sayings of Jesus, some pages from some unknown Greek gospel found at Oxyrhynchus, has been identified as being part of the long-lost gospel of Thomas from the ancient world. After the Coptic version of the Gospel of Thomas was discovered in 1945 at Nag Hammadi, scholars soon realized that the various Greek text fragments previously found at Oxyrhynchus were part of the Gospel of Thomas. These three papyrus fragments of Thomas date between 130 AD and 250 AD. Prior to the Nag Hammadi discovery, the sayings of Jesus found in Oxyrhynchus were known simply as the sayings of our Lord. A few pages from Thomas that they didn't know were from Thomas until the entire book was rediscovered in 1945. The rest of these formerly lost teachings of Jesus that comprise the Gospel of Thomas were rediscovered during the month of December 1945 in the form of Coptic language manuscripts found buried underground in a clay storage jar put into the ground during the 
in the, in the ground during the 4th century AD. The discovery site was near some caves where Christian monks in the early centuries used to meditate, pray, and sing psalms. There is even spiritual graffiti on the walls of those caves. The writings found in the clay jar, including Thomas, were unearthed near the village of Nag Hammadi in Upper Egypt. Coptic is the language of Egyptian Christianity. It is said founded by St. Mark in Egypt during the first century. This Coptic language collection of the sayings of Jesus was first published in English in 1959 by E.J. Brill in a book called The Gospel According to Thomas. I have a copy of the first edition of this book in my library. I found it at a used bookstore. The cover of this book reads, dating all the way back to 1959, first publication by the international team of scholars of the newly discovered sayings attributed to Jesus, the Gospel according to Thomas. Comparable in importance to the Dead Sea Scrolls and of even greater significance to students of the first three Gospels and their literary sources. So a really big deal. The Gospel of Thomas was published back in 1959 the whole thing from the Coptic edition. And with the discoveries of the Greek and Coptic editions of the Gospel of Thomas comes an important revelation. Now we have all of the Gospel of Thomas. We have it back again as far as we know. Now that this has taken place, scholars have identified some of the very same sayings or parallel sayings turning up in the writings of various church fathers, saints, mystics, and other extra-canonical or apocryphal scriptures dating back to the early centuries of Christianity. We'll explore some of these Thomasonian sayings of Jesus on today's Spiritual Awakening Radio. The opening verses of the Coptic Gospel of Thomas from a more Syriac, Aramaic-friendly translation I'm selecting today that was put together by Willis Barnstone and Marvin Meyer. I believe the placement of these three sayings at the very beginning of the collection by those who originally arranged these sayings represent the purpose of the book, are very important, help to define the book by placing these particular sayings at the beginning. These are the hidden sayings that the living Yeshua spoke and Yehuda Tama, the twin, recorded. Saying one, And he said, Whoever discovers what these sayings mean will not taste death. Can you feel the mysteriousness of that? Someone finds an ancient book in the land of the pharaohs. And the first words of this book read, Whoever discovers what these sayings mean will not taste death. Isn't that just like something out of the movies, some film? Very mysterious. Saying two of the Gospel of Thomas. Yeshua said, Seek and do not stop seeking until you find. When you find, you will be troubled. When you are troubled, 
you will marvel, rule over all, and enter into rest. I believe that this is referring to different stages of spiritual development. One has to be a seeker, but a perpetual seeker that keeps on seeking, that doesn't give up, but seeks until they find. So stage one, seeking, persistently, not giving up, not prematurely quitting, but seeking all the way until one finds. Stage two is finding. Isn't that exciting that there's something to be found? Stage three, being troubled. After you find the truth, the spiritual path, there is adjustment, there is fine-tuning, there is repentance or metanoia, adjustment, the death of the old, the birth of the new. A bit of trauma and readjustment there. When you are troubled, you will marvel. In some translations, instead of marvel, it is astonish. You will be astonished. Usually the word astonished refers to personal spiritual experience or realization. And in Mesopotamian Christianity, that Syriac Aramaic world where the Gospel of Thomas comes from, astonishment refers to spiritual experience, the manifestation of the divine light. So I believe this refers to spiritual experience, being astonished at the revelation of something beyond this world. You will marvel. You will be astonished. The next stage is called ruling over all. I don't believe that's referring to anything political, ruling over the planet politically, or conquering the universe as such. I believe it's referring to conquering one's own inner universe or inner all. The body, the psyche, the mind, the subtle bodies, one's own inner self, ruling over oneself. And the final stage, entering into rest. Rest in this spiritual tradition is a word for heaven, eternity, eternal peace, a heavenly kind of spiritual rest or Sabbath rest. Saying three of the Gospel of Thomas, Yeshua said, if your leaders tell you, look, the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds of heaven will precede you. If they say to you, it is in the sea, then the fish will precede you. But the kingdom is inside you, and it is outside you. When you know yourselves, then you will be known, and you will understand that you are children of the living Father. But if you do not know yourselves, then you dwell in poverty, and you are poverty. I believe this saying is also near the beginning of the book to help define the meaning and purpose of the book. It really makes a statement at the beginning of this collection of 114 sayings of Jesus. 
known as the Gospel of Thomas. Leaders here are religious leaders, spiritual leaders, that are misleading people, instructing them to look for the kingdom of heaven in the wrong places and not giving you advice that will actually allow you to experience it. They are misleading the, the masses, if you will, misleading people. Part of the problem, not part of the solution. Leaders misleading people, saying, look over there, look up there. The kingdom is in the sky. The kingdom is up there. And almost like Kabir poetry, a kind of irreverent poetry, you have the statement, then the birds of heaven will precede you. The birds will get there first. If heaven is physically up there in the sky, up in the stratosphere, the birds fly in the air and are closer to it. It's almost like a Kabir poem or some Sufi poem. But the focus is shifted from up there somewhere to a kingdom of God that's present tense in this present moment available that is within us and surrounding us and the word you keeps being used. The kingdom is inside you and it is outside you. When you know yourselves then you will be known and you will understand that you. <laughs> uh, so it focuses in the present moment upon the individual spiritual seeker or disciple and makes this present moment and makes the individual the center of attention not other people in the past or prophecies of stuff happening falling from the sky in the future not up above not below not over here not over there not someplace else not somebody else but you here, now, within you, is the place to search for a present tense kingdom of God that is available right now. St. Augustine or Augustine said something similar that seems to be somewhat based on saying three of the Gospel of Thomas, or at least echoing this verse attributed to Jesus. But if the place of God is believed to be in the heavens, as it were, in the superior parts of the cosmos, then the birds are of greater value because their life is nearer to God. St. Augustine also cites something very similar to this saying of Jesus from the Gospel of Thomas. Gospel of Thomas saying 52. His disciples said to him, 24 prophets spoke in Israel, and did all of them speak about you? He said to them, You have neglected the living one in front of you, and spoken of the dead. The Augustine quote, the Augustine version goes like this, But when the apostles asked what should be thought about the prophets of the Jews, who were thought to have sung something in the past about his coming, he was disturbed that they should still think such things and replied, You have abandoned the living one who is before you and are talking about the dead. So once again here with this saying, P. 
people are looking in the wrong place. They're still caught up in religious speculation about prophecies and scriptures from the past, looking for answers someplace else, while ignoring a living master standing in front of them, available here and now in the present moment, right there. They have a living teacher, they are living students, forming a circle around the master, sitting at his feet perhaps. But rather than making that the focus, they're spouting some theories about prophecies of the past. And that's a kind of theme in the Gospel of Thomas. Neat that you find that same passage, perhaps even slightly clearer, better translated, preserved by St. Augustine. Kind of neat to discover that. And once again, the focus is not being misled or distracted, looking for the kingdom of heaven and spiritual guidance in conventional religious sources, but pay attention to the living one, the living teacher, right here, right now. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. After the break, we'll explore the background of the tradition of the transmission of sayings of Jesus, and you'll find more amazing quotes, surprising sources where the Gospel of Thomas has turned up in early Christianity, various sources, and we'll talk more about the spiritual meaning of these various sayings. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned for more after this break. Spiritual Awakening Radio, the Gospel of Thomas as a kind of second coming of Jesus, or a second coming of a wisdom gospel known to antiquity that has been rediscovered and returned to us in the modern world. From Syria to Egypt, background on the tradition of the transmission of sayings of Jesus, coming from the St. Thomas or Thomasonian Syrian branch of Christianity. It is said that St. Thomas was the founding apostle of Christianity in Syria and locations to the east, what's called the Church of the East. Many believe that the original sayings of Jesus would have first been preserved in the Aramaic language and soon thereafter would have been translated into a dialect of Aramaic called Syriac. As Syria to the north of Israel soon became the main center for the Jesus movement early on, based in locations such as Antioch and Edessa. Some scholars argue the genre of a collection of sayings was one of the earliest forms in which material about Jesus was handed down. They assert that other collections of sayings, such as the Q or source document, and a collection underlying Mark chapter 4, were absorbed into a larger narrative or larger narratives and gospels and no longer survive as independent documents. What we have with the Gospel of Thomas is at least one surviving example of such a collection of the sayings of Jesus used by various Christian denominations in antiquity. I agree with the scholar April DeConnick who sees a core of Thomas sayings 
originating in Aramaic in the mid-first century AD, with various layers or sayings added until the addition of the latest stratum of Thomas being completed sometime between 80 and 120 AD. In other words, like an archaeological dig, the Gospel of Thomas represents different layers. There is a kind of core of early sayings with Aramaic roots that come from Jesus, and a few other sayings added, a bit of a fluid collection for a while, until eventually it became a standardized kind of document at some point, consisting of 114 sayings known as the Gospel of Thomas. So, in other words, some sayings of Thomas might date back to the mid-first century, and others, it could be argued, date a bit later on. Many of the writings that have been preserved and rediscovered in the dry climate of Egypt most likely originated in Syria and were copied from older Syriac and Greek manuscripts into the Coptic language of Egyptian Christianity. This would include the Gospel of Thomas and many of the other books of the Nag Hammadi Library, a collection of ancient writings unearthed near the village of Nag Hammadi, in Upper Egypt back in December of 1945, a very important year in the history of humanity at the beginning of the Atomic Age in the middle of the 20th century. Although the Gospel of Thomas was published in English in 1959, it was a couple decades later before the rest of the books of Nag Hammadi were published. The Nag Hammadi Library in English, edited by James M. Robinson, was published in 1977. I remember seeing it for the first time in 1977, sitting on the bookshelves of a university bookstore. Several scholars contend that many sayings of the Gospel of Thomas, an old scripture containing axioms of wisdom attributed to Jesus, are more similar to Syriac Aramaic translations of the canonical Gospels than their counterparts in Greek manuscripts. More fascinating examples of mysterious non-canonical orphan or stray sayings attributed to Jesus in the writings of early Christianity, coming from Syria, Rome, and Egypt that are part of this other or Thomasonian tradition of the sayings of Jesus that emanated from Syria and circulated around the Mediterranean world. I shared already a couple from St. Augustine. Here are more from various sources. St. Ephraim the Syrian quoted a saying of Jesus not found in the New Testament, and it reads like this. This is what our Savior Redeemer says. He who joins with me joins with fire, and he who is far from me is far from life. That same saying also turns up in a book called The Gospel of the Savior found in Egypt. He who is near me is near the fire. He who is far from me is far from life. The early church father and theologian Origen of Alexandria quoted this saying attributed to Jesus, not found in the pages of the New Testament. It's not a saying anywhere to be found in the four canonical or official Orthodox Gospels, and yet he attributes it to Jesus. It reads like this, He that is near me is near the fire, and he that is far from me is also far from the kingdom. 
It turns out that this is a saying of Jesus found in the Gospel of Thomas, saying or verse 82. Jesus says, He who is near me is near the fire, and he who is far from me is far from the kingdom. St. Macarius of Syria. The biblical scholar Giles Quispel has explained the relationship between the Gospel of Thomas and St. Macarius of Syria by proposing, quote, that Macarius most probably knew the Gospel of Thomas and alluded to it in his writings. And he concludes by asserting that he is, quote, not in the least astonished that Macarius used or quoted the Gospel of Thomas because so many Syrian writers before him had done the same." St. Macarius of Syria quoted a saying of Jesus not found in the New Testament Gospels, and it goes like this, As the Lord has said, the kingdom of God is spread out on the earth, and people do not see it. Compare that with this, Gospel of Thomas saying 113, the kingdom of the Father is spread out upon the earth, and people do not see it. There it is. I believe that this saying, very much like some of the other passages from the Gospel of Thomas, presents a present tense kingdom of God, not found by looking over here or looking over there, looking up in the sky looking to prophecies to be fulfilled as we treat life as a waiting room and wait around for these things to be fulfilled in order to begin our spiritual journey. Rather, the kingdom of God is a present tense reality which we can access right now. Most people don't see it, but there is the potential to see it. And we will explore how we can access this present tense kingdom of God on today's program. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. More coming up after these messages. Gospel of Thomas as a kind of second coming of Jesus on today's Spiritual Awakening Radio. Trying to squeeze in as much of this material as I can today, I may skip ahead a little bit in my text I have in front of me here. There are some other parallels from the writings of Macarius of Syria and the Gospel of Thomas, the body that depends upon a body that has a parallel in Gospel of Thomas 87, if you do not fast as regard the world, you will not find the kingdom of God. If you do not observe the Sabbath as a Sabbath, you will not see the Father. That's from the Gospel of Thomas and also is quoted by Macarius of Syria. There is a similar saying, it's kind of a paraphrase of the Gospel of Thomas found in the homilies of Macarius of Syria that has a parallel with Gospel of Thomas saying 24, If you stand and do not turn and are a light to the body, behold, the whole body of the world is lit. 
But if you who are light become dark as you turn away from the good, how great that darkness which is the world. And it's parallel in the Gospel of Thomas. There is light within a person of light, and he gives light to the whole world. If he does not give light, he is darkness. There is a parallel in the letter of Second Clement to the Corinthians, Clement of Rome, in chapter 12, quotes something right out of the Gospel of Thomas about making the two into one so that the male is neither and female are neither male nor female that kind of long verse which has a parallel in the gospel of thomas saying 22 that's kind of interesting that second clement has that saying in it i'm just scrolling ahead in the writings of clement of alexandria a different clement Two different versions of this seek and find saying of Jesus is quoted. In one, Clement doesn't say where he got it from. He who seeks will not stop until he finds, and having found, he will wonder, and wondering, he will reign, and reigning, he will rest. I shared something similar earlier. With another citation of a similar or parallel version of this saying, Clement of Alexandria attributes it to the Gospel of the Hebrews. So also in the Gospel of the Hebrews it is written, He that wonders shall reign, and he that has reigned shall rest. Unquote. So some variations of that saying are present. It is written, it is written, it is written in the Gospel of the Hebrews, says Clement of Alexandria. That statement by Clement that there is a source where a rare saying of Jesus from the Thomasonian tradition of the sayings of Jesus is written, quote-unquote, reminds me of something St. Paul once said in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 2, devoted to his battles with the wisdom Christians who apparently valued contemplating sayings of wisdom. God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit. We do speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers or archons of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, quote, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, unquote. I wonder what written source for that Paul was referring to. Was it the Gospel of the Hebrews, or was it the Gospel of Thomas? There are some shared sayings, some of the same sayings from Thomas are also present in the Gospel of the Hebrews. Compare Paul's quote with saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas. Jesus said, I shall give you what eyes have not seen, what ears have not heard, what hands have not touched, and what has never occurred to the human mind. 
My sense is that most likely Paul had a copy of the Gospel of the Hebrews, because in 2 Corinthians, Paul alludes to a story about Jesus appearing to his brother James the Just after the resurrection, a story only to be found in the Gospel of the Hebrews, one of the earliest of the Gospel texts. Paul's letters date back to around 50 AD, and so therefore most likely does the Gospel of the Hebrews, I would say. We do know that a few of the same sayings found in the book of Thomas also appear in the Gospel of the Hebrews. Given the likelihood of Paul having a copy of the Gospel of the Hebrews, my suspicion is that this is the likely source for the quote where, quote, it is written, unquote. But it could have also been the Gospel of Thomas. We may never know. All we can do is speculate. The Master will give you what the eye has not seen what the ear has not heard, the divine eye and the divine ear from east to west, the mystery of saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas. A great description of what living ones, what living masters do for their students is found in the Gospel of Thomas. Variations of this saying have also turned up in the Hebrew Bible, Greek New Testament, other apocryphal gospels, eventually the Quran, Gnostic texts, Mandaean scriptures of Iraq, Buddhist sutras, the sacred texts of the Mandaeans of Iran and the Bajans of Kabir, Nanak and other saints of the East. I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no hand has touched, and what has never occurred to the human mind. There is an axiom of wisdom found in many world scriptures about exploring the kingdom of God spiritually with new eyes and hearing spiritually with new ears. This saying about seeing what no physical eye has seen and what no material ear has heard appears in many ancient scriptures of the West and East about seeing and hearing. This is how people can access a present tense kingdom of God with spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear. What your own eyes cannot see, your human ears do not hear, your physical hands cannot touch, and what is inconceivable to the human mind, that I will give you says Yeshua or Jesus in Gospel of Thomas, saying 17. After the break, I'll share with you some parallels of where this saying turns up elsewhere in other literature of the ancient world, and then we'll wrap things up with some readings from the Oxyrhynchus Greek Gospel of Thomas. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned for more coming up. Gospel of Thomas as a kind of second coming of Jesus today on Spiritual Awakening Radio. The mystery of saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas. I will give you, said the living one, I will give you what no eye has seen, 
what no ear has heard, what no hand has touched, and what has never occurred to the human mind. A similar or parallel saying is found in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and it turns up in many other places too, such as the apocryphal testament of the Lord in Galilee. His power will be given to them, which no eye has seen, nor ear heard, and they will rejoice in my kingdom. This is a Manichaean scripture from Central Asia, translated from the Turfan fragments in a book called Gnosis on the Silk Road. That I may redeem you from death and annihilation, I will give you what you have not seen with the eye, nor heard with the ears, nor grasped with the hand. The 10th century Persian Sufi master, Jalani, quotes an interesting passage from the Quran. I have prepared for my righteous servants that which no eye has ever seen, of which no ear has ever heard, of which has never occurred to the heart of man. This is from the canonical prayer book of the Mandaeans of Iraq. Thou hast showed us that which the eye has not seen, and caused us to hear that which the human ear has not heard. Thou hast freed us from death, and united us with life, released us from darkness, and united us with light. Thou hast shown us that which the eye has not seen, and caused us to hear that which the human ear has not heard. Living spiritual masters, living ones, teach their students how to see and hear spiritually, initiating them into the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens. There is light within a person of light, and it illuminates the entire cosmos. The light of one soul is equal to that of sixteen suns. There is inner light. It is possible to learn how to see spiritually and to hear spiritually. Most people don't. Like radio waves or Wi-Fi signals, infrared or ultraviolet light. The kingdom of the heavens remain invisible to most people who dwell upon the surface of the earth. And yet it is possible to learn the secrets of a contemplative spiritual practice that make it possible to spiritually see and hear and discover and interact with a present tense kingdom of God. As Guru Nanak once said, we speak without tongue, we see without eyes, we hear without ears, we walk without feet, and we work without hands. This is a prayer from Kabir. May I see you with my eyes, hear your sound with my own ears, speak your name in my own words, O Lord. Rest your flower-like feet on my heart.
Some sayings of Jesus from the Greek Oxyrhynchus translation of the Gospel of Thomas fragments published in 1897. Know what is in front of your face and what has been hidden from you will be revealed to you. For there is nothing hidden that will not be made clear and nothing buried that will not be raised. And that was true of that very saying and that very book, which turns out to be part of the Gospel of Thomas, a buried book that was raised and is now back and has its own webpage on the World Wide Web. More selections. Jesus said, If you do not fast from the world, you will not find the kingdom of God, and if you do not keep the Sabbath as a Sabbath, you will not see the Father. Those Seventh-day Adventist or Sabbath-keeping Sabbatarian Christians would really be interested in that verse. They probably don't know about it, but they probably would be blown away if they should find out about it. I think in addition to that, in addition to speaking uh, to the Jewish roots of early Christianity, I think this also speaks of a spiritual or heavenly rest that we can access as we find a present tense kingdom of heaven. Another saying of Jesus found in the Greek Oxyrhynchus edition of the Gospel of Thomas, those early Gospel of Thomas fragments. I stood in the midst of the world, and in the flesh I appeared to them. I found everyone drunk, and none thirsty among them. My soul worries about the children of humanity, because they are blind in their hearts, and they do not see. In the Gospel of Thomas, seeing, learning how to see in a new way, is a major theme from beginning to end. All about finding a present tense kingdom of heaven. Seeing with spiritual eyes, hearing with spiritual ears, discovering heavenly realms here and now. That is the basic premise of the Gospel of Thomas. That is the spiritual world that people are being introduced to as they contemplate these ancient sayings of wisdom found in the Gospel of Thomas. My name is James Bean. If you'd like to receive a link to the Gospel of Thomas online or my article on the spiritual meaning of the Gospel of Thomas, you can send me an email at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Send a text message to me at this number, 508-603-9381. Visit my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com, where you'll find a donate button, links to blogs, daily spiritual quotes via Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and other social media. Visit the website spiritualawakeningradio.com. Tune in again next week at the same time for another edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio. Music